Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Two afternoons with Bill Arnold. I'm the Bill Arnold part of that short sentence. Happy Wednesday. It's Wednesday, and we always do the prayer series with Dr. Peter Kapsner, and we are going to have a wonderful time tonight. Uh, Peter, I'm looking forward to this, as last week we hosted Susie Larson. We did. And her husband, Kevin, and this week we're hosting Carmen LaBerge. It is equal opportunity, right? We can't just let the one other Faith Radio host on. We're going to have Carmen on, and yeah, yeah, Yeah. pretty excited for this. And happy Ash Wednesday. It is indeed. the, The day of ashes today. Yeah. And it's exactly 40 days uh, before Easter Sunday. Well, I think there's something really sweet about participating in Ash Wednesday. I know maybe not all of our listeners would even be familiar with the experience. Uh, You and I both grew up in the Catholic Church, in which that would have been part of something that was just part of the annual ritual, part of the church calendar. And, And I do appreciate the idea of identifying with the death of Jesus in this moment and walking out that that journey to the cross, because that is the, the heart of the invitation to become a follower of Jesus, is to learn how to die so then you can live. I mean, it's the beautiful cross-resurrection event that this is the start of that process at the beginning of Lent, where we take those ashes and you put them on the forehead and, and you say, yes, I will say yes to the death of Jesus in my life moving forward. And this starts the, this period of spiritual discipline. So hopefully there's going to be a time of uh, fasting and, and prayer and disciplines and as we prepare our hearts for Easter. Yeah. I, I, prayer there, is certainly one of them. It, the it really important. is. And, and I think when we fast, we then do create... I heard somebody say that when we fast like this, it's not just to try to prove something. It's not to see if we can power through. But when we fast or create space in our lives, we can, uh, if we move away from certain practices that we tend to be doing day in and day out and fast from them, then we can turn and feast or create space and feast in different kinds of ways. And one of those things could be prayer, and it's part of what you and I have been talking about for these many weeks, is what does it mean to cultivate an increasing life of prayer with depth and substance and meaning and purpose associated with it. So yeah, the entrance into Lent here can be a place where we're fasting from other things to maybe feast a little bit more mm-hmm. in prayer. Peter, wasn't dust and ashes symbols of repentance and mourning in the Old Testament? Yeah, it absolutely was, yeah. for sure. It, it was absolutely a, was. Something that would surprise no one, the tradition of rubbing a cross on someone's yeah. head. Or, oh, it absolutely yeah. was. Yeah, and, and you would have, and again, that these are the words of entrance into the kingdom. It is surrender, it's repentance, it's turn, it's trust, it's yield. It's all of this kind of stuff that is symbolized in those ashes. Yeah. Well, today we're excited to bring on Carmen LaBerge and her husband, Jim. They're going to be our guests, our special guests today. Indeed. And I think they're on the studio line right now. Carmen and Jim, welcome. <laughs> well, Carmen's here. Jim's, okay. Jim right. will be here in a minute. When he arrives, that'll be great. <laughs> and we're happy to have you. Hi, guys. <laughs> now, let me get this right. Peter, Carmen, you guys both work here, right? Well, we do. We do, indeed. These are the best laid plans. Just checking. So, uh, Carmen, thank you so much for, uh, I know you've you've got a busy schedule and you've decided, yeah, I'll take time to do the afternoon <laughs> show. So I appreciate that. Um, oh, it's such a pleasure. Thank you so much. Yeah. So... When you think of hitting, getting your morning started, yep. what, what is the first thought you have? Does it go to oh. God right away or does it go to... What? So my, so I, I don't really know when in my life this started, but okay. um, at least as far back as college, like literally the first waking thought I have is, mm-hmm. um, I hope the enemy is sad that I'm awake. 
Nice. Mm, that's very <laughs> solid. So, like that's a closing prayer. We're done. <laughs> I was going to say thanks for listening. Like, that's perfect. <laughs> like, that's kind of my jam. Like, I am so excited to be used of God in any way that he may see fit to take back a little bit of territory that the enemy thinks that he's robbed. Wow. Yeah. So, yes, I, I suppose there's a God thought in there. But my first thought is more like... <laughs> I am awake, and that means that I can go do some good battle. It sounded like the good witch from Wizard I was just of Oz. thinking I that. I was like, yeah, the, yes. the, the Wizard of Oz was definitely going through my head on that one, Carmen. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's not great. good. No, but, but what an interesting prayer to wake up to. It speaks of an orientation to the kingdom almost immediately with sort of the first thoughts as you rise out of bed. But I'm guessing that's not something that just even came natural, even something as simple as that kind of thought or that kind of prayer. I, I, I'm guessing you started with an intentionality around some of that. Well, and I'm certain that someone else, like, said that, planted that. I'm I'm sure I overheard that at some, you know, event, some, you know, some Christian event. Somebody said that and it stuck. That was really sticky for mm. me. And so, yeah, I mean, people ask, like, you know, how in the world do you get up so early in the morning to do what you do? And the reality is, like, I can't wait. Like, I am so, I hit, I literally, like, hit the ground at 4 a.m. and I am just thrilled to have the opportunity to seek God, and then um, encourage others to seek Him. Mm-hmm. So, Carmen, when you think of words like praise and thanksgiving, mm-hmm. what goes through your, your mind and your heart when you think of these two words relative to prayer, worship, adoration, all that? Praise and thanksgiving. Uh, God's worthiness and His sufficiency. Okay. Would that be Those the praise? Are, yeah, well, that's, I think, praise and thanksgiving. Like, right, my thanksgiving is in response to um, the worthiness and the sufficiency of God, mm-hmm. for sure. Do you think um, thanksgiving is a subcategory of praise? Hmm. Um, praise, I would say, in its um, in its most raw sense for me, is is all about the attributes of God and who He is. And thanksgiving is more about what I have experienced in terms of his blessings in my life. Um, And so they're certainly related, but I I think they are different. Mm -hmm. With Thanksgiving, Carmen, is that something that you do mostly out of the abundance of experience or the abundance of the heart? Or is there also sometimes a discipline of that where you sort of almost have to remind yourself where you're feeling maybe less than grateful (laughs) about certain circumstances in life. How much of it is just coming from the natural overflow of abundance? How much of it is coming from a place of discipline to say, wait a second, I need to reorient and and remember who this God of heaven is. Yeah. So I'm, I'm old, right. By comparison to at least a lot of people listening, at least in terms of my journey of faith. So I'm a person who was raised in the context of a believing family. I was raised in, um, in the church, the the rhythms and the patterns of the Christian life are have been familiar to me since I was very young, um, and so when I um, when I give God thanks, I am a in all circumstances kind of person, and part of that is um, having had death be such a part of my life mm. all along. Um, and so I think as a person who is acquainted with grief and recognizes that um, you give thanks to God, even if your circumstances stink, um, you mm-hmm. give thanks to God um, because he overcomes the power of death. 
Um, you give thanks to God because this life is not all there is. You give thanks to God. I mean, you know, when you're, uh, you know, for me, when you were 40 and single and that didn't line up with all the things that you thought life should be. Um, uh, you give thanks to God when you reach the stage of life, when you recognize you're not, you're never going to have your own, you know, your own kids in that, in the way that maybe you thought you would. I mean, I, I am a thanks to God in all circumstances. Um, even when the circumstances of life do not line up with what other people might think is worthy of thanks. And Carmen, we've been friends for a while. And when you say that about the idea of thanks in these different circumstances, is it fair to say, and I think I know you well enough, that this is not just a game of pretend thanks, that you actually Mm -hmm. have found a place of genuine thanks in the midst of the absences of life? No question about it. No question about it. Because that's the only, that's frankly the only, that's the only space where you know that God is all sufficient. You don't, you don't actually know the sufficiency of God unless you're standing there all by yourself with nothing else. And so God's worthy of praise and he is due our thanks. Um, even when the things of this life are strangely thin or dim or vacant, like he just, he is, he's, he's worthy. I love that. Carmen, I, won't, I, I would love for you to talk about some of the loss that you expressed mm. a little a few minutes earlier and how God was alongside you in this time, if you don't mind. I, yeah, I, sure. I so, should have asked you in advance if you're willing to t- share No, that. I'm, you know, I'm an open book. I don't really have any, I don't have, you know, I don't have anything interesting to talk about. So, uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah, just well, in terms, <laughs> right? So, I mean, so thanks. So, um, so the first s- loss in in sort of the series that I think was particularly formative to me was the death of my maternal grandmother, Robina, um, who is definitely my, I want to be like her lady. Like I, that is, if I could be like somebody, I want to be like uh, Rowena, uh, Robina Ringwald Benefiel, um, my maternal grandmother. <laughs> I know anything, yeah, anything, but, yeah. <laughs> anything but having her name, right? So, um, uh, I mean, she, yeah, she's the person I most want to be like. I mean, she she was like one of those people who like hummed hymns all the time. Like it was the there's this undercurrent of of uh uh well, of hymns. It just Worship. all just all the time. This is what I remember about mm-hmm. most about her and she had a very 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 hard life. Um uh and she died when I was uh 12 or 13. And that just started this ball that started rolling down a hill. And when I was uh, 14, my cousin Angie, who was my same age, died. And then when I was 15, I lost uh, a best friend in high school. And then um, just a couple of months later, my dad, who was only 43 and kind of a larger than life figure in our family and and in everybody else's life as well. And so um, by the time that I was 16, I had, uh, you know, accumulated this series of very significant losses in my life and um and found God to be not only present but very sufficient and gracious and um and yeah worthy of me dumping all of my pain and um and willing to you know to receive all of that um and deliver me from it so yeah I'm I'm a person who um I think learned to trust God early enough that that I just don't question whether or not he's trustworthy. 
That's a lot of heartache for yeah, a tender heart really is. at such a tender age. Did you ever wonder, Carmen, just in light of that, that you're having such a fundamentally different experience than some of the people around you and, and where that took you then in your relationship with God that, of course, prayer is, I mean, prayer is just simply talking with God about our day. I've got to believe that some of the, just those simple practices were cultivated in, in that such a profound season of loss, especially as you're maybe comparing your journey to your friends around you. Yeah, no question about it. I mean, I I certainly started journaling and writing poetry and um, like listening really intently to praise music in ways that I am very, very confident other people uh, at my high school did not. Um, but I can also say that the the people who became then my really dear heart friends during that season of life, they are all still my dear heart friends mm. because um, it's kind of like if you got me then, like, right, then you still get me because I'm that <laughs> same, I'm still that same person. And hey, by the way, my, um, the other heart, of, the, the other half of my heart has, uh, has now joined us. Awesome. So that's right. time to take a Jim's break. Jim's here. Yeah, let's take a break. Hi. We'll come back. Hey, Jim. Hey. You, you showed up at the right time. Indeed. Yeah. So we're going to give you another couple of minutes Good. to get ready for your, your big uh, your big appearance on the show. So we'll take a break. We'll be right back with uh, Carmen and Jim LaBerge. It is uh, 17 minutes after the hour. Thanks for joining us. We are in our prayer series. One more time and loving it. Be right back. Okay, per series, we're loving it. Carmen and Jim LaBerge are my, our guests. Dr. Peter Kapsner and I are got all these questions for him. But Jim, I want to ask you, tell me about your uh, upbringing, your spiritual upbringing, and when you started your journey in prayer with God. Wow. That, that's, a, that, that's a big question. Yeah, I know. Uh, I was raised um, in a very nominal Catholic home, so um, Catholic by name mainly. Mm-hmm. Um, did not go through the normal things that a Catholic boy does until, you know, I was, uh, you know, sixth or seventh grade. You know, went through the process of uh, of uh, catechism and then, you know, receiving the Eucharist and confirmation there uh, as a sixth, seventh grader. And uh, my family, you know, my my parents really, other than mealtime prayers, there was there was no emphasis on any of that. Uh, my life changed uh, when I was 20, and I met uh, who is now one of my very best friends, and I can still consider my pastor, Glenn Johnson, who uh, for the first time opened up the Bible and showed me what it, what it says about being saved, being born again. And that just, you know, clicked in my heart with, with uh, everything that I had been reading. A friend of mine actually had me read the Bible, and so I had read the Bible, and that just started a whole new world. Jim, and as you started down in that journey of, of reading the Bible and, and following Jesus in sort of this new kind of way in your life, did, did you find that you were developing kind of a prayer relationship along with it? Did it feel forced? Did it feel something that was coming even more natural? I mean, so many different people enter their prayer life in so many different kind of ways. I'm curious kind of what your early experiences were like. My early prayer life was, um, it set the, the tone for my entire life. Uh, as I say, my, my dear friend Glenn Johnson was uh, a tremendous mentor. And I started studying the Bible immediately and and uh, getting answers to the questions that I couldn't find anyplace else. And God really began working uh, in, in a big way. So I, I would describe it like this. In, in the scriptures, I met God objectively. 
in prayer I met him subjectively, and he made himself real to me um, in a subjective, personal way through prayer. So in, in the Scriptures, we have truth, objective facts about who God is, and, and the Holy Spirit, of course, is working, opening up our minds, helping us understand that. But in prayer, we meet with him personally in a subjective way, and I would spend, at that time in my life, I it was, well, I don't want to say how long, but I spent extended periods of time, all the time in prayer, and it was a very natural thing. Uh, God was working on my heart, um, just uh, changing me radically. And as you enter into that kind of prayer time, Jim, like that, it, I'm compelled by the idea that Jesus says in the Gospel of John that he is our good shepherd, or I am your good shepherd, he says, and, and my sheep hear my voice and they know me. And, and I would imagine over time, as you're talking about the subjective experience with God, that to be able to sort of hear without ears, right, to to, to hear or experience his voice in those times, that, that you learn that over time. It maybe doesn't come as naturally at first, but you begin to discern the voice of the shepherd over times like that. It was neat. I can remember, as you, you ask these questions, I remember back to those times because they were so... Uh, so impacting, so formative, um, when I, you know, no one had really taught me to pray other than, you know, the rote prayers of Our Father and Hail Mary and that thing as a Catholic. But at that time, um, you know, God was drawing me, and I was responding. I was seeking Him very actively. And uh, I, it's it's hard to even describe the 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 depth of emotion and the uh, the hunger I felt in my heart. And the way God met me at that time and just drew me to himself. And that was much of it um, through prayer, just just time alone when I got still uh, in the presence of God. And, it, you know, that's something that you, as you suggested, you, you grow into. It, it doesn't happen um, all at once, but it happens very smoothly, very naturally. So that was my experience. Mm-hmm. This question is for both of you. You can take turns answering it. But when you have a prayer that's answered, yes, of course, that's always incredibly wonderful. I think God always provides above and beyond what we ask. But then what about when prayers are denied or maybe they're delayed? How do you do in those departments? He's pointing at me. Okay, Carmen, you go first. Okay. So... Hmm. I I don't know that I am enough of a specific asker. Okay. Um, I am definitely a present it all to the Lord and then a thy will be done. And I don't want to make that sound over-spiritualized. I really am a person who is satisfied with whatever it is that God gives um, because I, because I trust him and I know he sees a whole lot more than I do about me and um, his plans for me and the world. And I'm just a really small part in all of that. And so uh, I don't know. That might not be a satisfying answer to your question, but that's um, I am. I begrudge God nothing. I would say I learned very early on. I do not begrudge God anything. And so bad things happen Um, and God's not to blame for those things. Um, he's, he's constantly present and, um, and with us and with me in those circumstances. And so that's a blessing. Um, even if it's a very strange one and experientially difficult, I don't know. Do you ask God for like specific things like straight up? Cause I don't. Ooh, that's a good question. Um, you know, the Lord's prayer has always been 
kind of what I've found to be very oriented in my prayer life. And the first half of that, as you are well aware, are things we ask in God's behalf. When we ask on things that are in God's behalf, we just know that God is working. Now, we may not always see that. You know, we ask for his, you know, for his name to be honored, for his kingdom to come, for his will to be done. And a lot of times we don't know, you know, what that looks like. But as we know him through his word and we understand, you know, Jesus taught us to, you know, if, if my word abides in you and abide in me, you'll ask what you will and it will be done. Uh, a lot of what we ask, a lot of what I ask is for God to have his will in my family's life, in our country's life, um, in specific situations. Um, I don't always see those, I, I don't see those things happened uh, immediately often. I, I will say this, I, as a young person, this harkens back to some of your original question. Um, my overriding prayer when I was a young, young man was, uh, God, I don't know how to be a dad. I have no clue. And, and he uh, has a lot of kids. I have six. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I would always tell, tell my oldest daughter, honey, I'm just practicing on you. I've never done this work. <laughs> really, really held that up to God in prayer. And, you know, so this is 40 years ago, a long time. But now, you know, my four of my children are adults. One is a senior in high school. One is a freshman. And I love the fact they all love the Lord. They love being with each other. Mm. They love our family. And I, I couldn't be more thankful that God has answered that prayer. That's something I've recognized uh, even more fully in these last few years as I see, you know, them interacting with each other. They take the younger girl who's now a senior and they have her over to their houses and they share with her and spend time with her. But they've done that for each other, you know, all along. And so, and they love the Lord and they love being with each other. So I really uh, love to see that prayer answered. At the beginning, I was just praying and crying out, God, help and, you know, do what you can do. I don't want to mess this up, you know. Uh, so that's a prayer answered, but it, it was a prayer that you know you can ask because you know it's in God's will. So I, I try to temper my asking uh, or, or at least put it through the grid of what I know to be God's character and his will. When you ask very specific things, and some of those things, you know, heal this person, heal that person, and, and those prayers have not always been answered. And that just puzzled me at times. But, you know, when you know him, you, you know, and that's, and again, that comes through the objective truth of his word as you know God's character, his goodness, and his grace. You can rest it, you know, that the hands that hold us have nail prints in them. And he knows what's best, and we just trust him. So I, I guess I don't have a lot of specific things that God has said, nope, can't have that. Mm-hmm. All right, let's take a little break. This is one soothing voice he has, it too. It is. I love it. Yes. Oh, my gosh. You love listening to him? It's entirely yeah. trustworthy just yeah. the way it comes across. Record I love the it. book of John, and I'll <laughs> go to sleep by it every <laughs> night. That's fantastic. I love it. We're uh, talking to Carmen and Jim LeBurge. We're going to take a little break and be right back with the prayer series. Be right back. Let's get it started. Jump in your car. Yeah. What's for dinner? Hey. It's the afternoon. 
We are talking about prayer like we do on Wednesdays, and it's um, it's a topic I never get tired of hearing people's prayer journeys, prayer stories, their heart for Jesus. I just love hearing it. I, I love so many of the common things that we're hearing across the too. different guests, and mm-hmm. then I love how those common things intersect with their lives on a very personal basis. So there is this really interesting thing about prayer that I think there are some common realities that we practice. There's common questions that we have, common ways that we do it. But there is, as Jim was talking a little earlier, just sort of the subjectivity then of, of a very personal God who would dare to condescend or to rend open the heavens and actually walk with his people. That what, what an incredible claim to make about the God of heaven. You just can't find that sort of claim in any other religion, in any other season of this world. But the God of heaven really is personal to us like this. And Peter, I don't know if you know this, but this segment, this prayer segment has become a... We've become a household name. And, and right now it's up to 11 households. That You know what? That is 10 more than we would have guessed when we set out at the sun. So that, I mean, God, God can do exceeding abundant, yeah, right? I yeah, just, that's, really, that's my I understanding. See, yeah. I, I see the footprint ex- expanding. It's really nice. <laughs> I, I do too. Carmen LeBurge and her husband Jim are our guests. And Jim, you said something that really stuck with me where you talked about, you know, raising kids and just going to God and saying, I need your help. And I, I heard your heart say, Lord, I, I have complete dependence on you. So I was wondering how you how you continued to pray. Did you have setbacks? Did you have times of anger or frustration? Or did you sometimes just need the Holy Spirit to groan on your behalf? <laughs> wow. So uh, my oldest daughter is 40 now, and I'm 61. So, you know, that that's a little bit. Actually, she's 41, and I'm 61. So we're, ten, we're 20 years apart. Um, and anybody who's been a parent, knows times of heartbreak, mm-hmm. just tremendous pain. When you see your children perhaps not make the kind of decision you'd like them to make, you see them maybe go down a wrong road or, you know, their hearts for a time, not what you'd want. And, of course, I, that's been my experience at times uh, with, with a couple of my children. And at those times, it's uh, really difficult. But, you know, again, uh, God is so faithful. And... Um, yeah, I cr- cried out desperately during those times, and um, y- y- there was not an immediate turnaround, but God was faithful and kept working, and uh, he um, put his arms around each one individually in unique ways to them. I mean, I don't want to tell you too much about the individual or what they mm-hmm. went through, but there were some really significant challenges. One of my sons is a, is a Marine veteran and uh, served in Afghanistan and had some really, really tough uh, experiences there. And it took some time for him to get over that. And so that uh, that was some real prayer times. Of course, there were the times when we were uh, just, um, I, I don't even know what the word to, to use, um, uh, incomplete, uh, sh- shattered, confused, you know, concerning his safety, whether he was going to make it back. And he did uh, at one time have an IED go off and mm. Experience that, and so you. Know, you but again, um, you know, your prayer life is an outgrowth of your. Well, it is your relationship with God. It is the subjective side of your relationship. It's where you meet with Him and you open up your heart. Of course, He knows your heart, uh, but through the Spirit, He communes Himself to you and He orients you and and uh, puts His arms around you and holds you and tells you it's going to be okay. And you know, it, the, the objective side. You know, let me back up just a minute because I. I am just so, com- one thing that is, is kind of my overriding passion is that the Word of God be restored to its rightful place in the life of the church, in the life of believers, that they would come to know the Lord through His Word. And as my 
you know, my study has grown and I've come to know Christ more clearly, his character, who God is, um, it really enhances my confidence and my joy in prayer, my ability to say, Lord, I, I know, I know I can trust you. I know, I know that you're good. I know, I know that uh, like, like you wept at Lazarus tomb, you feel what I feel. You understand. And, um, those two things go hand in hand. You know, it's not about prayer a la carte or Bible study a la carte or prayer as a way of, you know, creating a punch list, God fill this list. It's, it's about seeking God and knowing him objectively through his word and then uh, in, a, in a personal, deeply personal way uh, in prayer. Uh, and, and Carmen and Jim, I know both of you are, are, are deep studiers of the Word. I also know about your prayer life, and, and that, that has been something that has been individual. But I, I'm curious, as you guys met a little later in life, and uh, and Carmen, Jim's kids became your kids as well, and, and the blended family sort of scenario, and, and how did that work in terms of then for you beginning to pray for your children together? And, and I know, we uh, Bill, we had a segment where we asked married couples, you know, how often do they pray together, right? And, mm-hmm. and it just, there's... It was about half and half where some couples yeah. did and some couples didn't. I'm just, it, it was more of a struggle than we would have guessed. So I'm curious for you guys, as you met a little later in life and you brought new concerns, new people in, in this blending together, how did that work for the two of you? You, you know, we pray kind of uh, spur of the moment all the time. Hmm. Um, hmm. We, we don't regularly meet like every, uh, every night at such and such an hour to pray, although we always seem to have a prolonged prayer time at, at our dinner table. Not prolonged, but it's a real time. It's real. You know what I mean? It's real. Mm-hmm. We really thank God. Sometimes I'll ask the family, just pause a minute before we eat and, and, and let's okay, see. Can get I real. Go ahead. Something? Yeah, get real. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes, um, in fact, fairly frequently, the what what is on the plate is something that God has given us by through a hunting trip. And so... Uh, it is not unusual for us to uh, get to hear the story um, of of that which we are now benefiting from, and so because Jim promises, what do you what's, what do you say to God when you're out there hunting? Oh, hey, I mean, yeah, it's, it's this is a part of his prayer life. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm out there hunting, and that's 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 a uh, it's hunting, it's not catching, and so uh, you know, Lord, if you bless us, we're going to remember every time every we time eat we that eat you it. you gave this. But and more specifically to your question, though. That is a time of consistent time of prayer. Then we'll read together uh, the scriptures and we pray some then. But for Carmen and I specifically, you know, there's always things that are going on. And as they come up, we just pray about them. And it's it's really great to look over her and know that she's right there with me. And and she takes it to the Lord. And sometimes I have needs, you know, and I say, honey, would you pray about this? Uh, When I was in business, you know, honey, I've been in the work. Would you pray about this? And she would, and, and uh, yeah, God answered a lot of those prayers. What passages of Scripture do you gravitate towards when you start thinking of prayer and fellowship with the Lord? How many do you want? Well, <laughs> well, for, well, for me, I'll 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 just start by saying that um, <clears throat> the the fact that we can in any instant. Um, consciously turn toward God and have access to mm. him in the throne room mm. is completely reliant on my understanding that in Christ, that um, that veil is torn in two from top to bottom. I don't do that from the bottom to the top. That is not, I am not the one that has any way gained that access, mm-hmm. that right. 
um, that is on the righteousness of Christ and his sacrifice alone. And because he has done that, I can literally turn in any in any moment mm-hmm. and present myself before the Lord, um, recognizing that he is present and that I am then consciously aware that I am in his presence and make my request known in the name of Jesus. And so for me, if I were going to point to one passage of Scripture uh, that is a part, really like an intimate part of my sense of what happens every time I turn to God in prayer, that's it. That's the one. Hmm. Great answer, Carmen. Jim's yeah. now. Jim's looking at me like I'm going to be able to tell you the chapter well, and the verse, which what, of course I do. Yeah, that's okay. And I was just saying, you know, what kinds of verses does your does your mind gravitate towards? It's not like give me the verse or a right, verse, right? But, right. Well, for, there is, you know, the, the the key passage of scripture is the Lord's Prayer. Okay, um, be, be, it's our model prayer, and it really orients uh, and, it, and it orients us to prayer. Um, and I would just commend that for all the people listening to really, really learn that and make that a pattern. And, and really, obviously, it divides into two halves, what we pray on God's behalf and that we pray on our behalf. And that really is orienting to my entire spiritual life because oftentimes, here's what happens. We've got a problem. The problem's bigger than us. It seems to consume us. It seems to just overwhelm us. It breaks our heart. It, it grieves us. We're, we're distraught. We get in the presence of God and we start thinking Him as our Father, the one who deserves to be hallowed, we think of who he is. Uh, we, we start praying for the expanse of his kingdom and his will to be done. We begin to turn our focus from what seems overwhelming to him. And the moment we do that, as as is true in the Psalms, where the, the psalmist will, especially the lamentations, where he'll be crying out. And, there, and, and what's characteristic of, of those lamentation psalms is there's a, a period where there's pain and there's suffering. And then at some point, there's a fulcrum where the psalmist turns and focuses on God. And then suddenly the, the heavens break open, the light shines, and the problem is put in perspective because God's there. And when God gets there, the problem shrinks because God is really big and able. So, but the Lord's Prayer orients my heart and my life. To, to th- and I think to, to think rightly about the things we go through. Um, it, it's not the size of the problem that's the problem. It's the size of how we view God that's the problem. And once we get you know, clear vision of him, it shrinks. And, and that's really what we want. When he, it doesn't matter what it is. We want him to be honored. When his kingdom come, we want his will to be done. And when we get that firmly in grasp, then we can hand it off to God and say, it's in your hands. Jim, you talk about how much the word and prayer go together sort of hand in hand. They're not these a la carte independent things of one another. And, and I think often about how when we go to the Word, we expect to be shaped in some way or equipped in some way or empowered in some way or or learn something in some way. Uh, do you find that prayer functions much the same way as that? Because I, I know for me, I often think, well, I'm going to go to God with my request or something along those lines. But I would imagine that prayer has a very shaping impact in our life, maybe in a way different than the Word, but also shapes us like the Word does. I think that's a fair statement. Yes, yes, it when you're quiet and still, as the psalmist again encourages us, be still and know that I'm God. Wait a minute, maybe the psalmist, that may be uh, Isaiah. Yeah, be still and know that I'm God. Yeah, anyway, sometimes I, I get, you know, off on these things. But um, you get quiet and God communicates himself to you. And it begins to shape you. You know, we, uh, you know, Peter, uh, not Peter Paul talks about we with open face beholding this glass darkly. We're changed from glory to glory. 
even as by the Spirit of the Lord, we're being changed. Mm. As we enter the presence of God, He, I think He puts His hand on, on our lives and our hearts in ways that happen no place else. There's something that happens when you get humble in the presence of God and you seek Him and you're, so, and, and you're soft clay in His hands, that He is able to work far deep, more deeply in your heart than in any other way. And it doesn't happen anyplace else. So, absolutely. Yeah. We'll take a little break. Carmen and Jim are our special guests today on the prayer series. Peter and I will be back in just a minute. Jim, Peter Kapsner, and I are talking about prayer, which we do on Wednesdays, and we're uh, awfully glad to learn all kinds of wisdom from these two. This is amazing, Peter. It, it really is. And, and Bill, one of the things among the many things they've talked about is the fact that they, they hunt for their food, Bill. They hunt for... I've never even once thought of hunting for my food and then thus being grateful for it. This, this opens up a whole new area of life for me. Horizons are here. Yeah. Jim, you're kind of our one of our new uh, people that we're putting on this pedestal now saying... This is a real man. <laughs> Completely. <laughs> Peter and I go to Whole Foods with our credit cards and we go. <laughs> yeah, I've never come out victorious into the parking no, lot like either. that. So, oh. indeed. Well, the elk we killed two years ago was six miles from the truck. Yeah, there there are some what? stories. Uh, there are some stories. Six miles uh, is, is how far they had to transport the elk that... 225 pounds of meat. Yeah. Six miles. Oh, my. Aren't In the they... mountains of Colorado. I know. I know. He's, he's a beast. Aren't I don't they... know what else to tell you. <laughs> aren't, they, I... aren't the elk decoys just too big to carry? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. No decoys. That's oh, wow. Okay. Well, <laughs> no, you no had decoys. decoys. Yeah. Yeah. All right. When I think of this wonderful th- passage in Philippians chapter 4, where Paul says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And I love verse 7 that says, and the peace of God, Mm. which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Seems like that's the wonderful goal is to have that peace of God. Is that a goal for you when you go to God in prayer, that peace? I would say that is um, an experience that a person can absolutely expect when they go to God in prayer. I mean, you, you can expect if you are, if you are in Christ and Christ is in you and you have entered into the presence of the father in the name of the son, by the power of the spirit, you can expect uh, the peace, which surpasses all human understanding. Mm -hmm. You can expect, um, to, to be utterly possessed of the Prince of peace. And that doesn't mean that we're not going to, have experiences in prayer that are like wrestling with God, but you're going to have peace. Jim's looking at me like he wants to say something different. Well, here we go. What what you may not know is that the only way that works is if you have first uh, surrendered y- yourself to God's will. Okay, so and, but I have your life exactly <laughs> works for you. But the listeners may not; they just may expect to go pray and get this peace. But that only works when you have surrendered yourself to Christ fully and you're willing for him to do what he wants to do in your mm-hmm. life and in that sense 
in that instance because you know who he is. Uh, you won't get the peace until your peace is resting in his character mm. and you surrendered to him. So there is kind of a disposition, a four-pronged disposition, I think, is necessary as we approach prayer. You know, we have to believe, you know, and those are scattered throughout the scriptures in many, many places, but simply there are, you know, faith, he that comes to God must believe that he is, that is your reward of those who diligently seek him. There needs to be a longing for God to seek me, you know, with all, to search for me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. There needs to be a um, submission to his will. And then there needs to be a deep humility. Do you want to kill your prayer life? Just think you're doing a good job. So this, is, that, this is the liability of talking about this as if we're experts. No, 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 no. If you think you got it and you think, you, well, I'm a great prayer, it's going to get kind of cold. So. Yeah. In preparation for this conversation, um, Jim and I basically looked at each other and we're like, we have nothing to tell people about prayer. <laughs> like we, we don't, we, um, I mean, we pray as, uh, as a part, I mean, it's the warp and the woof of our life together and our um, life of faith, but we don't have any like special instructions related to it at all. But I think what's so invitational about that is in the weeks that we've done this program, it, there has been a lot of variable experiences and, and there have been the people that have come and said, you know, I, I developed the kind of prayer life that we've done this as a couple for an hour every morning and an hour every evening. And, and we celebrate that. And yet it, as you, the two of you talk, you have a different kind of prayer life. And yet there's a richness in the journey. There's a surrendered heart. And that, that really, the point isn't the length of time that we pray or how we pray or, or whether we do it in the morning and the evening and all of the, the format of it. The point is to really be developing that, that rich life with God together. And, and as two people, there's different ways to do that, right? I mean, at the end of the day, it doesn't take just one form. No, that's right. Um, we actually had a conversation last night about how disappointed people might be that we don't get up at three um, an hour prior to my, you know, my day getting started, you know, like get up at three in the morning. We spend an hour praying together. Like, right. We're like, we can't tell people that because that would be a lie. And that seems like a bad thing. <laughs> yeah. So um, I think that when you know, if you're just to ask me straight out, what um, what do you think marks your prayer life? I would say the the moment by moment, open eyed nature of it. Mm-hmm. I really, um, I mean, I'm the person. It's really dangerous to ask me to pray for something because I'm going to stop and drop everything and pray with you right then and there. So there you go, Peter. That's my stop, like drop, that and pray. <laughs> Yeah, Stop, I mean, I'm, and pray, yes. Well, because I'm not going to promise, I'm not going to say, oh, yes, I will absolutely pray about that later because that's totally dependent on my remembering to pray about it later. Um, so I'm better off stopping right then and lifting it up as a concern before the Lord in the presence of the person who's asked me to do so. I mean, I feel like the the witness of prayer, even in public places, um, out loud, is a testimony and, a, um, and an authentic witness to my utter reliance on who God is and my total insufficiency to meet people's needs. Well, I, I really like that. Jim, what are your thoughts? Well, I think that segues nicely into really a fundamental idea about prayer, and that is our, our weakness. We're weak. We're, we're creatures. We are the creatures before the Creator. We're limited. He's not limited. He, we're finite. He's infinite. And Inevitably, as we walk through life, no matter who we are, where we go, we will experience that limitation. 
whether it's financial limitation, emotional limitation, physical limitation, everywhere we're limited. But God isn't, and He has promised to be with us. And so at the place where we experience our limitation, we cry out to God and say, Lord, I need you. I don't know why, but it just came to me as he was talking. The many times I I spent uh, praying in unique places. So for 37 years, I was an arborist and I climbed trees for a living, at least for a big part of what I did. So I might be 60, 70, 80 feet in a tree. And I felt a real need often to say, you know, Lord, I need some help up here. This is a little spooky. Uh, But it was my limitation, my weakness, and my acknowledgement that God is God. And um, he's so faithful. Just so faithful in so many ways and so many times. So, yeah. I think that's part of the richness, though, right, that we develop over time. Again, whether it's an hour in the morning, an hour in the evening, or whether it just simply is doing life with God in a tree, that, that the point that I don't, I'm not sure that God is as concerned about the length of time or the method as simply just desiring increasing relationship with him. And, and that seems to be the point of prayer to me at the end of the day is just this ongoing developing conversation with our shepherd as we're doing our life. Mm. Mm. Amen. Amen. Yeah, Jim, I was wondering, and Carmen, but I'll ask Jim, if you'd be uh, willing to pray tonight as we get close to wrapping up our show. And I'd also ask for you to include to pray for Peter and I, because after this sh- uh, show ends, we're going elk hunting. <laughs> and oh, man, gonna... can I come too? No, you can't. Because you're, you're... <laughs> yes, you're just, you're just going to diminish us again, Jim. We've, we're, we're trying to wonder if we can carry an elk even 10 feet at this point. And so, yes. Well, you don't carry the whole thing. The whole thing weighs like... We know that. Pounds. Don't yeah. insult don't us. We know that. No, <laughs> That would really request some really pr- big prayer. Yeah, uh, indeed. <laughs> that would be one of them Sanson prayers. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, we are obviously at a place where we would just, as we get ready to conclude our day, and uh, we've got the evening ahead of us, and people are getting ready to sit down for their dinners and all, and all that, um, and the day's burdens are upon us, the, the country's, the nation's burdens are on us, and we have so many petitions in our heart, and People are are bursting with requests to God, and I would love for you to just cover that in prayer. You guys can draw straws, whoever would like to do it, but uh, I'd love for one of you to do that. Yeah, we'll we'll do this together. Awesome. Father, we're so glad that we know that you have identified yourself as the one who hears and answers prayer. And you've said, ask, and you shall receive. Seek, and you shall find. Knock and it will be open. Thank you for the encouragement, Lord, that you give us to prayer. Thank you, Lord, that you wept over Lazarus' tomb and you made it clear that you know everything that's in our hearts and lives. You know our needs and that through your Spirit you intercede with us with words too deep, uh, with groanings too deep for words, that you 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 are who you are and you're at work. And we thank you for that. Lord, I pray that each person hearing this would, would perhaps uh, oh, feel a new desire for you to know you more, to draw near to you. Lord, make yourself real to your people. Lord, I pray for, for uh, Peter and Bill and the needs of our country, that you would just be yourself and you would show yourself strong. Father, there may be um, somebody listening right now who wonders whether or not you see them. And we just want to acknowledge that you are Elroy, the God who sees, Mm. the God who sees into places and into hearts and into circumstances that go unknown or shielded or even hidden 
from the world. And so, Father, um, let that person who feels unseen know that you are closer to them than their very next breath. Hmm. And, Father, there are those listening right now who are feeling desperately alone and maybe even uh, have a sense of being forsaken or forgotten. Um, Reveal yourself to them in this moment by embracing them in your everlasting arms, by the very power of your Holy Spirit. Surround them with your love. Reveal yourself to them in size too deep for words. Thank you for the privilege that it is to enter together into your presence uh, with the fellowship of all the saints, those who have gone before us, um, those who cry out from beneath your throne right now, how long, how long, how long, and for those with whom we're going to spend eternity regaling you with the glory do your name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. All right. You two are rock stars. It was amazing. That Loved was it. Tremendous. Thank you so much for doing it. Thank you, gentlemen. Our pleasure. Yeah. Have a great night. All right, Thanks. Peter. That was a great episode once again. That really again. was. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, thank yeah. you so much. Loved Let's it. go. We're going to go elk hunting now. <laughs> that wraps up our show. Thanks for listening, and I will uh, see you tomorrow. Have a great night. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.